When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Those Conspiracy Guys Swapcast with Julian and Joe from The History of the Netherlands. That's the voice that you'll hear if you go and listen to The History of the Netherlands. Uh, these two guys are from uh, a, a faraway land and we sit in Amsterdam in Joe's apartment doing a Swapcast and I want to introduce you to, uh, to these two guys. We went on a boat trip yesterday with uh, Julian at the helm and... Uh, they're part of those damn boat guys. And their show is about history, looking at history from a, a, a different point of view, trying to question everything along the lines of those conspiracy guys people. Uh, but they look at it a little bit more academically than I do with my Thundercats fucking <laughs> asides and talking about my dick. Um, so yeah, lads, we talk about dicks. Totally. Well, you can t- dicks are part of history. Yeah. No. You, can, uh, you can introduce yourself, lads. What's your, what, what's your show about? Thanks very much, Gordo. So uh, I'm Joe, and uh, as uh, the host and co-writer of uh, the history of the Netherlands, um, we try to well, we we look at the history of the Netherlands going from pretty far back. We started at the end of the last ice age, and uh, at the moment we're in about the 1300s. That's a fucking weird place to start. Like just the general, like the start of the last ice age. It sounds like something. Yeah. You could, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's well, not an exact year. We actually called the first episode 99% of Dutch history. Right. Because that is the case. It was a sh- It was really, a long, really long, long time, time ago, yeah. yeah. And most things happened, but unfortunately, yeah. we don't really know what happened because there's not that much evidence. It's of, all covered with water now, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, there so, was... So that is probably the, the defining thread of, of how we're looking at Dutch history. This place is a swamp. And it's the story of people figuring out how to live in a swamp. <laughs> There's so many beautiful people that come from this swamp, though. It's like a lot of culture, a lot of history, a lot of, you know, yeah, p- political advancement, loads of progressive politics and be, stuff. Been developing since the last Ice Age. Right? <laughs> yeah, and you guys are talking about it. But it just seems, um, it seems like a weird, like, not arbitrary, because obviously it's important, but like, in our Hollow Earth episode or Atlantis episode, we talked about this, like, antediluvian timeline uh, after Jung or Dryas and the water recedes like what made you pick from the last ice age to go from i think we were just looking for what evidence there was of people living here yeah and it seems like the first remnants of any kind of human habitation human neanderthal habitation comes from around that time um, yeah, about forty five thousand years. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. It's been a while since we wrote that episode. Yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna forget so, exact so dates. Some are, definitely, the timeline is that there were people here, yeah, thirty to forty thousand years ago, and then they left. Or so the evidence or lack of evidence shows, and then uh, returned. And there was a Neanderthalic presence. They found um, sort of Neanderthalic uh, remains at the bottom of the North Sea because the North Sea at that time was a huge icy tundra where you could mm. walk all the way from, say, Denmark to Ireland, which would have been a trip. Yeah, they say uh, there was a bridge between Ireland and Scotland mm. when the water was down that oh, low. for sure. And then yeah. when the water came up, 
the Irish or the Scottish were just Irish people who couldn't who, who could swim. Yeah, who couldn't speak properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just give me over. I was one of the most drunk Irish people. I just go over because it's like, like a rain and a cold, you know what I mean? You just ticked off one of my last bucket lists, which is to hear an Irishman do a Scottish accent. Oh, well, that was that was a drunk Glaswegian. Well, like, you right, get more cool. specific. Um, so, yeah, like, that's a really far back place to go uh, for that history. Like, yeah, I, I learned from, from Julian on the, the, those damn boat guys, boat tour, which we'll talk about in a nice little Nice little plug there. Like yeah, it. absolutely. It was great crack. Thesedamboatguys.com. Yeah. We do boat tours in Amsterdam, the best that you can get. This episode is brought to you by those damn boat guys. Uh, it's not. There's no sponsorship at all. It's just uh, bastards. We went, we went on the tour yesterday and there was loads of like interesting little tidbits. I was also in the Versets Museum and got to find out about um, the massively diverse kind of re- uh, religious background that, that Amsterdam or like that the whole country of the Netherlands has. So they had like Catholics and Protestants mm. and um, Jews and then like socialists, uh, like who were obviously a religious or whatever, all kind of living together in a toler- tolerant harmony. Well, that's, yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's exactly what you could say. Relatively speaking. Yeah, but the, I'm talking about in the last maybe can, 100 if, years, but no, before that there was wars. Compared and, to the rest of like other cities in Europe, mm. certainly there's been a history of more tolerance here, but it's complicated. Yeah. Because it's not like it, everything comes down to being in a swamp, right? And you've got where we are is the point where the rivers that have come from like Switzerland and Germany and France have run downhill out into the North Sea. And so the people living here have just always had to deal with flooding coming from both sides. Living on the so, city delta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just the swamp. And um, so one of the theories, I guess, or explanations for so-called Dutch tolerance is that it, what matters more is that you work together rather than highlight your differences because protecting against flooding is a collective endeavor. So yeah. water doesn't give a shit if you're Catholic or Jewish or Anabaptist or Protestant or, you know. Um, black or white or black or white, okay, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's unity so through necessity. That's one of the sort of main arguments made in Dutch history. Yeah, yeah. I found a lot of, so like we were talking to people uh, in town doing some interviews and stuff, you can check that out. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber for those conspiracy guys, there's videos and stuff up there and talking about like, you know, more modern politics, like weed tolerance, tolerance for, for mm. sex work and, and these kind of um, people coming over and just <laughs> making a mess of themselves all over the, all over the canals. Like that stuff went back to, you said your most you recent good, You had a good day yesterday. Yeah, it was, good, it was good. Yeah, I don't smoke anymore, but uh, <laughs> it was a bit of crack. We went to talk to some weird, uh, cool people. And it seems that like... <sighs> The tolerance that I'm trying to get my wrap my head around, the tolerance part where it's like, um, what 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 was it that you said yesterday, Julian? That that uh, Catholics still had to buy pepper. Do you know this? It was all it, it maybe not a necessity for survival, as you said, Joe. Like that they're all fighting against the, the perpetually uh, coming flood. That maybe there was a. Um, there's a huge what's it called Hedokeblad yeah Hedokeblad which is the Dutch word for yeah go on tolerance I don't within care. the law yeah so this an official this, policy yeah. to turn a blind eye yeah this Hedokeblad goes for marijuana goes for prostitution but but Joe you're kind of saying that like the people in, in Holland historically are 
they, they don't make this like homogenous society where it's just one major major like religion or politic that they have to work together to survive but also there's this like financial to make money yeah, I mean they are financial exactly. thing that's unspoken in a swamp you've got no resources mm. you've just got to make money however you can and that's and the way that they did it was by being the middleman in everyone else's business because you're at the end of the rivers, so you can make boats, you can sail down those rivers, you can mm. sail around the sea, you can pick up stuff from yeah. one place and bring it to another place and make money. And that's, again, that's what they want to do. You don't care who you make money from. Right. Yeah, yeah. money is money. Money has no so color. The, be the best example often cited is. Except in America, where it's green yeah. for some reason. Uh, yeah, weirdos. Uh, the best example often cited is at the end of the 1500s or in the middle of the 1500s, the lowlands was what you call Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg today. Yeah. And most of the wealth was in Antwerp and in the area that's Belgium. But I hear Antwerp and I think diamonds. Yeah, it was, and, and, and a lot of those merchants were Jewish merchants, um, which is why you often get that connection as well. Because, yeah, they, the, the Spanish and the Portuguese were in the Americas and Africa and, and bringing diamonds and silver and spices. Anyway, so the wealth was in Belgium and uh, a lot of the merchants were Jewish or Protestant. But the feudal title for the lowlands uh, was inherited by the King of Spain, who was obviously an extremist Catholic, the same King of Spain that sent the Armada against the English. And, um, you know, the, the obviously hated Protestants sent his army in in the 1580s, occupied Belgium, kicked anyone who wasn't Catholic out, and most of them came up to Amsterdam. And again, right. you've kind of got this like, okay, like... Uh, all, for a thousand years, Jews around Europe had to be lived in ghettos or segregated. And here it was kind of, yeah, bring your diamond knowledge up here and bring your contacts and your money and, and, and this kind of thing. And so, again, so the, it's, it's, it's tolerance through, yeah, either necessity or financial you yeah, know, it's desire. Exactly. Yeah. It's not tolerance because we really love yeah. you. It's yeah, tolerance because yeah. we love yeah. your money. Yeah. yeah, I had a chat with the lads, with Alec and Jesse, about this as well. And looking at kind of like Dutch culture from a shout out to Alec and Jesse who Alec actually Jesse, own yeah. those Dambo guys along with Neil <laughs> those Dambo guys that yeah. um yeah so like I was talking to the lads about like their western view they're they, they're coming from you know uh Santa Cruz and Berkeley mm. which are like traditionally pretty liberal places and they're coming over here going yeah it's liberal but it's a different it's a, it's a different kind of liberal it's like historically I'm I'm only finding out now that I'm actually because I've been, I've been to Amsterdam a few times but it was just like, let's fucking have a smoke and have a gawk and some tits. And now, no, no one ever does that, girl. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. You got red blooded man. So uh, you, I come over here now and I'm trying to talk to people and try and find out like what's actually going on. And you guys will be uh, like Australian, like more westernized. The lads are from America, more liberal. Mm. And it's a weird, different type of acceptance yeah. that has some some motivation behind it. So historically, like, where does that come from? You were talking about, um, on the boat ride yesterday, you were talking about the uh, East India Company, where they had a bunch of money. Uh, yeah, I guess they were the biggest company, uh, corporate company time. ever. Yeah, but they're, I would, like the Netherlands had one of the first expressions of modern capitalism in mm. history, right? And the East India Company is like the first publicly traded corporation in history. But they were looking at everything from a money-making perspective. They definitely were not like 
looking at people and thinking, hey, yeah, let's all be friends with each other. It's very, they did a lot of very messed up things themselves. Yeah. But it was Hadouken. <laughs> Like they didn't really. Uh, if you were a person living in the Banda Islands in Indonesia yeah. and you saw one of these Dutch East India Company ships coming to you, that would be spelling your impending doom. Yeah, it's like the end of Apocalypto. Yeah, like, yeah, can, I, yeah. can I give you? Um, can I give you a, a, an Amsterdam saying uh, that kind of explains Chedoche a bit more? Um, so in Dutch you say, uh, "Et mag mij niet uit als je schijt op de tafel, zolang als het niet spatteert op mijn bord." I don't care if you shit on the table as long as it doesn't splatter on my plate. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, is that is that, that like, that's kind of it's like do what, you, do what you want, just don't be a dickhead because everyone else is trying to do the same. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that is a Dutch thing or an Amsterdam thing because Amsterdam is certainly different from every other Dutch city. Um, the lads were saying being normal is cool, like they're yeah, but that's it, that, and, and that's kind of the Dutch conservatism. They they often say do even gewoon be normal. What what's the Not, whole saying? Do normal gewoon, is good enough. Dan ben je al gek genoeg. Just be normal, then you're already being crazy enough. Yeah, that's. You've got this dual thing of yeah. the, the, like liberalism. We don't care. Do what you want, just don't shit on the plate and uh, be normal. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's kind of this like it's liberal these two forces yeah. that like really and that shows itself in politics as well. So you were, saying, you were saying yesterday there's 13 political parties, the uh, biggest share is 22% for the slight, slightly right of center party at the moment. So they have to have a coalition. So there is like a good ideological split in Dutch politics. There is a massive split in Dutch politics, yeah. Uh, but it's e a, a more equal. It, it a more tends to stay split, in the like, centre, though. Yeah, that's, it's the two forces pull each other to the centre, right? Yeah, and because no one party ever makes a majority by itself, they kind mm. of forced to. So they have this period of negotiations after an election where they try to make a coalition. And that involves everybody, like our good friend Julian said in our uh, King's Day episode, you end up making a, dis a decision where it's the... It's a shit outcome, but it's the least shit for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm that, just shitting on my plate. There's a lot of shit in the property. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many rivers. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that process is called poldering. And a polder is uh, a former lake that from the around the 1400s, they were draining using windmills. Like reclaimed land. Yeah. And then yeah. building walls around it and villages inside. And mm. so a polder. So poldering is really like everyone just negotiating, compromising for the betterment of everyone to the least shit solution possible. And as uh, said. before we get into historically, because I want to find mm. out, like you guys know a lot about Dutch history and it's, it's <laughs> massively far reaching tentacles into like a African culture, South American culture stuff. Um, tentacles is a great way of describing. Yeah. Uh, that's traditionally the old, the old punch magazine, you know, yeah. that's yeah. like these big octopus, pulpo, these lads. Uh, taking over, just fucking up black people or brown people. Um, so, like, Jesus. How, do you History. think this is a good system? Do you think this is like a functional? Because everyone tries to find the least shit thing. Obviously, historically, this has been the same for 700, 800 years. If you're talking about like religious uh, and economic refugees coming to Amsterdam and mm. being given the being given the, the, the kind of the free reign to start a whole society that has now blossomed into what we have now, which seems from the outside, yeah, really accepting. But now that I've dug even just a small bit under the surface, it seems to be 
like a little bit um not begrudging of somebody else's actions mm. but like it's it's like i'll tolerate you but i don't like you they can, I, I don't have to like you but that's the but thing i like, accept that you are which is better community that I am. yeah i don't know i think it's really functional but it's obviously there are also issues and i think i, I know you said let's not go into the history yet but something worth mentioning is that mm. up until world war ii the society was also what you'd call pillarized you're right where you had like um, the Protestant Calvinist pillar, the Jewish pillar, the Catholic pillar, and the working class pillar. And and so you would belong in your pillar. So Amsterdam had all these pillars. Right. And people would like basically stay within their pillar in terms of the shops they went to, the schools they went to. Right. The newspapers that kind of thing, the, the, they read, the radio stations yeah. they listened to, the schools yeah. they sent their children So it's again to. like, oh, Amsterdam. So much more segregated society, it, a little bit like early, but, but early turn of the century America. Culturally segregated in a way. It didn't mean like it was... Like the Jewish community still had non-Jews living in it. You know, sure, like Rembrandt yeah. lived with the Jews. But like, I had like Jew town and I had like Catholic town, like well, Chinatown. Yeah, just, just your little, general... Little Moscow or your, whatever Your you cultural had. and social facilities and institutions, mm. you belonged to one. And that's what you went to. Right. It didn't mean you couldn't marry someone from the other or, you know, this and that. Like it was, okay, we talk about Jews. It's the only city where Jews can marry non-Jews in the 1600s. Mm. Um, in the Netherlands. And, and it was also so, the first place that officially gay people got married for yeah, the first time yeah. in 2001. First, and first this is all gay gay on, on April 1st. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a crazy yeah. April Fool's joke. All of my all of my Amsterdam tidbits people listening at home are all from uh, those damn boat guys, uh, boat tour. That's, uh, That's all you need. That's you gave us yesterday. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's nice to know these little tidbits to, to, to try and frame like how mm. history's had or how the, the historical evolution of the Netherlands has had an influence on its politics because mm. if you're coming in for the first time looking at it from the outside it seems like an idyllic kind of thing but when you scratch a little bit below the surface mm. there's a lot more it's complicated it's like it's like, it, and it's very complicated um, now as well because like everywhere else in the world there is also a big rise in people who uh, in the sort of right side of politics mm. and we have, there's a new political party here which I'm not going to mention because I yeah, don't agree with them and I don't want to talk about them, but they are very anti-immigration and they want to like close the borders of the mm. Netherlands. They want to have a referendum to make the Netherlands or to see if the Netherlands should leave the EU or not. It's, the, so mo- it's, it's just, the modern populist it's a, kind of shit. Exactly. And that, that happens here as well. Um, so the Netherlands is not immune to that. And it's, it's not some amazing paradise. It's just like anywhere else. But... Um, I say it just seems to have these historical and cultural tendencies that sort of see I don't know yeah it allows allows for complications of society like you know okay you're breaking the law but it's not causing problems so just whatever. it would be an ideal place for illegal immigrants to come and hope that the hudopalite would allow them to just hang around and and they, and they could work for cash under the table and because it's like a tolerated crime not like what's happening in America now where, where it's it's trying to be more vilified or at least like culturally vilified. Hmm. Um, in Britain at the moment, there's a whole movement trying to, I think, delegitimize Muslim immigrants. I know in Sweden, the there's a whole... The exact same thing happens in, thing. in the Netherlands as well. So I don't think people should come uh, out of our conversation thinking the Netherlands is some amazing paradise where none of this modern day problems, yeah. is, none of these modern day problems yeah. are happening. It's the same... Uh, discussion every like everywhere else in the world 
Um, but I find that the Dutch people are a little bit more civilized in the way they talk to each other, maybe. Mm. Maybe a little bit more respectful of each other's opinions. And it's okay to have a different opinion, but we can talk about it. Yeah, and, and that's, that's coming from... How, that's poldering. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's everyone's yeah, historical... And they will always give you their opinion. Yeah, As yeah. someone in a relationship with a Dutch person, trust me, they will always give you their opinion in every single matter. Yeah, yeah exactly. You and you can and it's have, totally fine. Your missus doesn't give you that thing where, well, if you don't know what, so what you did wrong, I'm not going to tell you. It's like, I no, will she'll tell, tell me exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more like, let's talk about it and try to come to a solution exactly. instead That's, of just yeah. yelling at each other. That seems more progressive than a lot of, a lot yeah. of societies, right? Yeah. Historically, where do you think that comes from then? The water control. It's, it's when they started... Uh, living here in an urban sense in the 10 hundreds, it was a boggy swamp. And because they were cutting ditches into it to try and drain it, to farm it, it caused everything to start sinking. Mm. The sea started breaking through and huge floods killed like over a hundred thousand people over about 200 years. And they started so it was building just like, like flash floods and like the dam yeah, would break yeah. and yeah. Ma- mass, yeah. the whole city that they built up would just get washed like away. It will town, yeah. like towns and villages. And, and so you have these kind sure. of regions with different towns on like what had become the coast and, and the sea was coming in and they started to build walls. But like, there's no point one town building a wall and not the other town yeah. connecting their wall. Cause then you'll just get flooded on your flanks. And so they had to start working together to build walls. And then, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's everyone's kind of responsible for their part of the wall and you have to cooperate and have regional, yeah, cooperation and, uh, yeah. That early cooperation then obviously led to, uh, um, and then a, a civil engineering evolution much faster than the neighboring countries like Poland or Germany's coast or France. Almost certainly. The oldest institutions in this country are the water boards. Yeah. And they started in the 11, 1200s. Hmm. So like... Now Rotterdam is probably the biggest uh, ingress for for um, goods and goods and stuff like that that are being put into Europe. Like it's one of the yep. biggest ports yep. because it's been around for so long, and the technology behind it is so. It also has the craziest flood defense system. Yeah, I'm gonna try to drop some facts. I don't know if they're gonna be 100 percent accurate because it's been oh, a while since you I read about this. Shady fact bomb coming. Yeah, yeah but the the the. the Flood defense in Rotterdam is a thing called the Maaslandkering, uh, which is this gigantic gate. And there are computers measuring the water level. And if the computers predict that the storm surge coming in is going to be two or three. 2.5, I think. Roughly three meters. Higher than what it normally is. Then the gate will automatically close. Each arm of the gate is the size of the Eiffel Tower. twice the weight. And twice the weight of it lying on its side. And it takes maybe 45 minutes or so for it to swing into place. And then it fills up with water and it sinks down and then it protects Rotterdam from any incoming water. And there are like the gates of Mordor. Yeah. yeah, There are six other such systems. Like that's the biggest one, but they've got six kind of six or seven. I mean, that's engineering on a completely different scale than what you see in other places in the world. And when they make their uh, flood defenses, they make them to have an acceptable failure rate of once every 10,000 years which is Shit. mind-blowing. Yeah, so you have these storms in America, so ooh, a one-in-a-hundred-year storm, which seems to happen every five or four, three years these yeah. days. Um, and then, oh, we didn't know this was going to come, but here they're really preparing for that for that uh, situation happening. So you think of places like Houston, Texas, and uh, New Orleans and all should have big, giant Eiffel Tower doors? Well, yeah. The, the and Dutch they, are there now fixing, well, they've been fixing the levee since Katrina. 
yeah. they get invited over to uh, give advice. And so, who knows, maybe... Flood experts. Yeah, they are flood <laughs> experts. <laughs> so who knows, maybe uh, the, the, the climate changing is another business opportunity for the Dutch yeah. people to make money from the rest of the see. world. Well, they're actually rain-sodden country turns into the Dutch Riviera. Yeah, I saw on the news recently, I think that uh, the weather might be like Barcelona here by 2050, which sounds pretty good to me, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it seems to be all looking up for the Dutch, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, sea level's rising, they, you know, are all over that. The reason they built that defense, it's worth saying, is that they had the last big flood after World War II in 1953 because the dike maintenance had not been uh, uh, kept up with since the war. And, All um, the little kids that had their fingers and it just blew up, but okay. they had to move away. <clears throat> All right, let's let's digress on that story. Okay. Hans Brinker and the story of the silver skate, uh, not known in this country at all. Okay. Written in America by an American woman in the 1800s. Just some bullshit. Bullshit. Nice. Yeah, it's a good analogy for what's going on. Yeah, in but, the but it's good also, thinking about it. But I, I think it's also very like I think a typical Dutch story of that would be the whole village is there sticking their fingers in, not just one kid, because it's a collective effort of flood events. Okay, so that that's interesting to know. So it's like one kid. I wonder in the real story. There's no real probably, story. Probably should look it up. up. No, but I mean in the story that the woman made up. Yeah. Did she say that it was like, uh, you know, a, a super in, a, 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 a innovative Protestant boy went to the dam and or, and put his finger in the dike or whatever? Like, no, it was she... a kid going to visit his grandparents and on the way home he mm. saw that. But it's, it comes from an it's American an alleg- social an narrative and not from... a Dutch social narrative. Right, right, right. Yeah. So do you think that there should be more information for people to know that there is this pollering and stuff because I don't think that's common knowledge really. No, I, I don't know. Like if for an American point of view, Amsterdam seems to be the place where you go, you smoke weed, you do whatever you like yeah. and you know, it's everything's legal when in fact it's actually not legal. No, yeah. it's gedoken. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's more illegal, legal in but, America now. But that's what I mean, yeah. So like, do you think there's less Americans and stuff coming here because of that or? I think it will change and yeah, it has changed. The, the, the type of people visiting now is definitely coming for other reasons than say 10 years ago when we came where it was a lot of yeah smoking dope looking at prostitutes and now i think people are coming because they're hearing that amsterdam is a beautiful city and, and it's got quality things worth looking at absolutely so. does yeah if you guys could tell one story each from your research in your history podcast the most like either interesting or the most influential element of Dutch history that has given us the the Holland that we see today. Like you talked yesterday about um, the Versailles Museum and the resistance that's like coming from, a, again, a pollering of society where people come together against a common threat, like floods, but it was just like Nazis instead, or a flood of Nazis. Yeah, so it was wet Nazis. <laughs> and it smelled like dogs. It's awful. Uh, or, or something from maybe a bit further back, there's some, um, I guess not like imperialistic stuff, but like there's some shady shit that the Dutch did that they kind of get away with now. Like there's oh, a lot, really of, lot of Southern, so, there's a lot of Southern African countries that are still kind of suffering because of imperialism in the yeah. late 1700s or early, uh, early 19th century that people just forget about you know england yeah. is kind of blamed for imperialism and we had even more like you know most recently like like falklands war stuff like or hong kong mm. that kind of reignites that conversation mm-hmm. around um 
England being cunts, basically, or whatever. And World champion cunts. Yeah, like, I mean, the whole Brexit thing <laughs> has that on the tip of the tongue. Like, we're talking about backstop. I mean, the Cricket World Cup, in case yeah. you're confused. Yeah. Um, we're, so, bitter, we're bitter Southern so, Hemisphere people who were cheering for New Zealand in the Cricket World Cup. Oh, it's turned from black caps yeah. into just black armbands now. Black. Just yeah. morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like that that kind of conversation is perpetual. Are you know like uh, the Spanish and Portuguese and the atrocities yeah. that they've done in the uh, Amazon? We were talking before we started recording about Graham Hancock and his uh, d- the discovery of certain cities. Now that they're deforesting the Amazon, they're finding these uh, huge like um, megalopolises under the mm. under the, the the jungle brush that had cities that had millions of people in it mm. and the spanish and portuguese went over and <coughs> coughed a few times and fucking tens of millions of people died from a cold like is there something in dutch history that people should know about that would maybe reframe how people think about definitely the netherlands so can i yeah one, you get one, I'll, like one I'll set it off and you i don't know what down. you're going to talk about so go um, ahead and talk uh, we've talked about like the prag- what, what I call the pragmatism of, of, of Dutch culture. It's like stopping the flooding, making money. And um, uh, when they joined the English and the Spanish and the Portuguese in the age of exploration, they had also gone into this war of independence against the Spanish and started identifying themselves as a republic and a Protestant republic. Right. And so that kind of also... Uh, freed up things a little bit because I guess you could say that the intent was to make money rather than to like take land for the king or the queen, you know? So uh, for instance, Australia is a good example, New Zealand as well. Um, You know, the Dutch were there way before the English, uh, but realized that Australia is actually pretty shit, you know, it's it's hot and dusty and full of animals who want to kill you. And uh, that God and, designed and, to kill people, and, and was and was inhabited by animistic people who didn't really have a sense of like uh, the same economic systems as mm. the Dutch. So, so it didn't make sense to like build a colony there. Whereas in Cape Town, it made sense because that was a halfway point in getting to Asia from yeah. here. Um, Again, functional pragmatism. Yeah, whereas yeah, exactly. Whereas the British get to Australia, and you know. Uh, what is it? It's, this is making uh, this is making good prison. Yeah, you now it's a Will Anderson Brilliant. joke or something. It's you know the Dutch come there and go, whoa, this is shit, and the French get there and go, oh, this is shit, and the English get there and go, well, it's a bit shit, but it might get better around the corner. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll just send all the Irish there. Yeah, that's fine. That's um, that, for, that, that backflipped on them, by the way. <laughs> the Bill Hicks joker. It's like as a as a punishment for like yeah. the smallest crime, you get put in a boat, and if you survive, you get to live on an yeah. Eden like. A fucking yeah. paradise continent <laughs> and make yeah. your fortune yeah um so so there's that in terms of uh, slavery the dutch were participant in at least five percent of the transatlantic slave trade and, and you can and see the the remnants and the kind of the, there's a lot of um, you can see it all monuments over. all over the city yeah, here, yeah. yeah. But, but there aren't really monuments well i mean there like, are echoes little, little slave carriage, trade all through the through. queen's carriage or the king's carriage is a good one. Yeah, it depicts slaves on the side the, of it. The golden carriage that the monarch rides through. There are houses in Amsterdam which have slaves on their gables. Yeah, yeah. Proudly, yeah, proudly that, displaying yeah. their, their and, Yeah, and 5% houses. doesn't sound like much, but it's at least 500,000 people. Yeah. And that's, you know. Of whom 120,000 of them are estimated to have died on the voyage between Africa and the Caribbean, yeah. which is a horrendous amount yeah. of people. And the Dutch call that an acceptable wash. <laughs> well, it's an, another... Uh, uh, debate which is happening more in modern day 
the modern day Netherlands. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, look back like no, nobody's going to come back and ask ask for reparations about like. There's but, a lot of uh, talk about the people. Yeah. People might be wanting to do similar things to that now. So it's it's a, it's a topic which is happening. It's a discussion which is happening now because it's kicking off in America at the moment. Like, um, oh, yeah. do you think it will reach back to the original slave nabbers? Uh, Could Holland be held to task? A good about I think like reparations is one thing, but I think it's how the society views their history which is like we've seen a really amazing example in the 20th century of a country being forced to reconcile with its very recent history in Germany and Austria mm. after World War II. And, you know, they've got a, a policy. Um, uh, so in German, Vergangenheitsbewältigung, uh, coming to terms with the past. Mm. And it's kind of like a, an enforced thing since the 60s that, um, for instance, Austria, I believe, also always has a civil servant at the Anne Frank house and um, like in Austrian and German schools, you have to do certain amounts of study of the Holocaust and, and, and World War II. And there's no brushing under the carpet. They're just yeah. like, let's not talk about yeah. that. And that, of course, after the war, that was how it was. But in the sixties and seventies like that, it started to change. Yeah. Too soon. Like the English have not <laughs> had to do that. The Spanish have not had to do that. The Dutch have not had to do that. The French have not had to do that. Um, you know, like the French didn't have to do that with Napoleon or yeah. Louis the Fourteenth or you know. yeah, and, but I think it is important that we in our world today acknowledge what happened in the past, and that's part of what we're trying to do in our podcast is to to look at the past and see what actually happened. And I don't, I'm not necessarily, I don't believe that people should apologise for things which have happened in the past because us today have had. Nothing, impact, nothing right? to do with what happened in the past. Even though we do benefit from things which have happened in the past, we need to acknowledge that yeah. we benefit from things which have happened in the past. Like Dutch privilege. Uh, well, just, yeah, I mean... Uh, like there are dudes, like you you brought us on the boat yesterday with those damn boat guys. Uh-huh. I've um, heard of them. Uh, we, we went past some places, like you, you had uh, the, 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 the prince, what's his face? The fourteenth, oh, no, not Prince. We have the, the house of the, the, the sixth, sixth family. Six, yeah. Who, oh yeah, yeah. We have a hundred and fifty million dollar painting hanging in the window of their house. Yeah, and it, they're so rich, and they have so much like uh, uh, f- fantastically rare and expensive art in their house that the Dutch government forced them to to make it publicly available because, like, you're like you're rich, you don't need it anyway. Yeah, like those people are obviously living from the endeavors of these slave masters, owners and makers. Well, not necessarily. Well, not that family, but like there are the higher, the higher <laughs> sure. society but here. But if you go back long enough, mm. every single one of us has an ancestor who was a king and an ancestor who was a slave. Yeah, okay. Like in America, nice. you can have like the families that own slaves or whatever, like George Washington, the founding fathers, like they yeah. are, they're all slave owners because it was part of the culture. But there are, you know, I, Talks of like white privilege because um, that's all to do with how the society is dealing with it today, not what happened in the past. And exactly what Julian said, if we are acknowledging what happened in the past and that we benefit or that we are at a disadvantage from it, Mm. then that's probably a a step like not not uh, giving out blame and and guilt and that kind of thing, because it makes no sense to. You can feel compassion for the past, but you don't have to feel guilt. So yeah, there, one, there's a certain element of tearing down. I think there's a certain element okay. of equality yeah. um, of equity, and yeah. people are are, you know, like the, the stuff of like, what was this new new festival? What was it? New festival tickets. Top of my head, shit. Now, I saw there was new festival tickets came out, 
and there was a, a like a black rapper was saying on Twitter, uh, this festival is selling tickets that are like 40% cheaper for people of color, but white people have to pay full price. Mm. And he was going, what the fuck is this? Mm. Like thinking like, don't do this on my behalf. Yeah, There's stuff like that happening. There was a um, an Australian cafe that were trying to counteract the wage gap by charging men like 20% more or mm. whatever. And they went out of business. Like it's mm. like get woke or go broke. So like for Dutch people, if there was a kind of a reparations, if there was a kind of a, like if, let's say if Bernie Sanders was around here, he'd be going to the Six family or he'd be going to the, the, the mega rich people who have built their fortunes off of the broken backs of slaves and, yeah. and that trade and trying to take their riches to spread it out amongst the people. Nederlanders wouldn't do that though, right? They don't want to do that. Uh, one, of, Maybe. I don't know, yeah. one of the things which I am really interested in, which is similar to this conversation, you were saying about tearing things down because there's the big debate in uh, America about tearing down statues of um, Confederate war yeah. people. And they had a similar kind of debate in the Netherlands, which we've talked about in a podcast we've made in the past, in this town Horn, which is just north of Amsterdam, where they have a statue of its most famous son, a guy called Jan Petersen Kuhn. I said before about how if you were living in the Banda Islands and you saw a Dutch East India Company ship coming to you, it would be spelling your impending doom, because that guy led an expedition against the Bandanese where they massacred something like 14,500 out of a population of 15,000 people wow. in the conquest for nutmeg. <laughs> Which do you ever eat nutmeg today? I never, yeah, I never eat nutmeg, but um, it, it was like a pressure. <laughs> the only place in the world where it grew, and uh, they wanted control of it, and they did what they had to do to get control of it, yeah. which involved horrendous mass murder. And this guy was uh, the first or second governor general of the East Indies. Um, first, I think. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but they have a big statue of him in the middle of the town. And a few years ago, a garbage truck accidentally ran into it and knocked over the statue. And then there was the question about what should they do with the statue? Should they put it up and honor this guy who has a pretty uh, tainted past or should they try to, to forget about it? And the way that they tried to resolve the debate was by the local museum organizing a kind of mock trial of him where they laid out all the facts about what he had done in his life. And the people who were visiting the museum could vote at the end of it about whether or not they should put the statue as, back as in jurors. place as a kind of jury. That, and the that sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'm the, very and, interesting shit. And the it's result such a dodge approach. Man. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah. so weird. Like, and, and the result of it was that the people <laughs> voted that the statue should go back. And so they put the statue back, and they changed the the plaque commemorating him, and they laid out all the facts of what he really did. And at the end of it, it says this statue is very controversial. And I think that's a really interesting way of looking at this problem yeah, because yeah. it's educating people, it's laying out what's happening, yeah. and it's giving people the choice about what's yeah. what to do. Yeah. If you if you erase the the mistakes of the past, you're Bounce destined to make them again. Right? Exactly. So yeah. why not acknowledge the mistakes which we've made in the past yeah. and hope that we can learn from them and not repeat them? Because it's all about history. Like human history is all about history. Yeah. We all we all own it. We all belong to it. And, and we're all, you know, responsible for it and answerable to it. It, it, criss, of, it crisscrosses all of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also like, and I don't want to go too deep on it, but we went to, there's like a whole history of uh, Dutch resistance against the Nazis and stuff here as well. And there's some people who colluded, who like ratted out their, their uh, friends and family mm -hmm. and who have benefited from it and ended up like, 
oh yeah, I don't let those Jews uh, up the street, uh, so I'm going to tell the Nazis about that, and when they're out of the building, we can move in and uh, take that building. And it was, you know, I, I guess, kind of like controversial after the war that those people were just left with that stuff. Do you can you comment on that? Some were, some weren't. So you did know, they take it back? Or? Uh, uh, the worst thing that happened, I think, in this regard, is that of the hundred and something thousand Jews that were sent to concentration camps or had to go into hiding or, or were killed directly. About 4,000 returned to Amsterdam, mm. and the city of Amsterdam charged them the rent in lieu of the time that they'd been in the concentration camps that they oh, hadn't man. paid. So they had to pay like back, back pay rent, and they were not reparated until 2016. Jesus. Oh, their families, obviously. Yeah. Oh my God. You imagine, sorry, sorry, like, imagine like, and that, and escaping the, the concentration camp by getting home and being like, oh, thank you. Thank God we're home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's been yeah, away. So what? Purple envelope from the all city. All the fucking post is all up against the door. Like you have to push the door open. There's loads of like final notice letters and shit. Like that is yeah. grim. Only slightly better than Duckow. That's terrible. Um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, <laughs> what's what, what's your what's your one? Uh, I have to know this piece of history about uh, Holland. Uh, Julian, <laughs> what's your favorite bit? Like the favorite weirdest. Thing that people may not know that they should know that will maybe push the Netherlands into a, a different light. We've already had the nasty history that's papered over. Uh, man, that's such a difficult question to be chucked on the spot. My, but What's your favorite? My favorite. First fa to mind. Okay, the first thing that comes to mind, my favorite fact about Dutch history is that in 1672, when the Netherlands was invaded by pretty much all of its neighbors at once, in the so-called Rampia, the year of disaster, they had the English attacking them, the French coming in, had German princes coming at them. And the Netherlands at that time uh, was a republic and its political leader uh, was lynched by a mob of people in The Hague and his brother who then barbecued them and ate them. Uh, yeah, that, it's called so serious, the lynching yeah. of the De Witt brothers. If it's you go to the Rijksmuseum, which delicious you definitely should, you can see great, yeah, you can yeah. see great paintings of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they might be tolerant people in some circumstances, but if disaster strikes, like everyone else. Yeah, they do not <laughs> watch out for the mobs. <laughs> yes, we'll. Uh, you could have some of the De Witt brothers uh, on a waffle. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, Maybe it, in some bro. Not, probably not the worst Dutch food. Let's face it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, they'll hurt your arse on the way out, though, lads. No, Be careful. Bits. I think we're starting to running out of time, so I think we should start to wrap things up. Sure, so, but tell us, tell us uh, just a small bit about your show, then, so people can come and find you. Yeah. Uh, so our show, as we mentioned earlier, is all about the history of the Netherlands. We are aiming to get through it uh, by the sort of middle of next year, but you never know. We're going through a chron chronology of it, and then we're going to go back and fill in with sort of specific little topics and biographies and things like that. Um, so definitely check that out. We have a mother uh, kind of, uh, or an umbrella uh, body uh, or company called- um, Which is just the two of us. Yeah, it's, it's well, the three, three of us, three, three of us. Now. Um, hello to Dave, who's in absentia. Uh, it's called Republic of Amsterdam Radio. We have three podcasts on there, which is the history of the Netherlands. Uh, our first podcast, which is called Stuff What You Tell Me, and is all about the role of resistance and rebellion in history, art, and culture. And we have a three-part special series called 
Free and Fearless, which is all about a story uh, in, that took place here in World War II that is about some of the first underground press members in Amsterdam. So people who were uh, producing and distributing anti-Nazi newspapers. Um, so those some, are some of that stuff in the Versace Museum is cool. Like yeah, counter propaganda, and yeah. they had Radio Orange, and they were printing out papers. Oh, yeah, it's, and it's we, an amazing. We what, talked what about happened that, here in the underground press. We have a bunch of Nazi episodes where, yeah. like you know, we learned that Hitler mass produced radios and gave them to everybody in Germany just so that they would be able to listen. And and the music was something to keep them entertained in between the bouts of propaganda. So like that kind of. Uh, uh, and we theory were, of propaganda is, is really interesting. And we were lucky enough when we made that series to get access to primary sources, which not many people have seen before, which were correspondence between the members of this group who had been arrested and were in concentration camps and were writing to their family uh, throughout their time they were in jail. And the last letters which they wrote were written two hours before they were executed. Um, yeah, sort of saying goodbye to everybody and not regretting their actions of resistance and hoping that their brothers and sisters would do the same thing as them. Yeah. Uh, so it was really very emotional uh, to, to read these things and it was a really big honor for us to be able to tell that story. So I think it's really worth looking at yeah. and listening to. Three part series, 45 minutes each and um, based as Julian said, off those primary sources. Um, and so that's all at republicofamsterdamradio.com. We also... Uh, or you can also just look on anywhere you get podcasts yeah. for History of the Netherlands or Stuff What You Tell Me or Free and Fearless. And I'll put all those links in the description of, of this below. And uh, you should tell well, your people about what you, what, yeah, about yeah, what yeah, you tell do. Our, this is a, tell all our listeners, go this, is, this is a swap cast. So it's kind of, you know, get to know us, we get to know you. Um, I'm Gordo. I'm the the head honcho at those conspiracy guys. And uh, we do big deep dives into conspiracy theories, but also like the history of uh, those conspiracy theories, which I guess if you're listening to the lads talk about their history, you know how important it is to look at it from a different point of view. We've done episodes on uh, like historical figures. So we've done like assassinations like uh, Martin Luther King, JFK and John Lennon and Princess Diana, which was a, you know, a, a murder. The Queen did it. And um, yeah, undoubtedly. And then we look at stuff like the creation of these huge uh, political or financial or, uh, you know, these organizations like the Federal Reserve and stuff like that. We've done episodes about like the banking system or the petrochemical industry and how that has been uh, like a 150 year battle to secure that market for a, a bunch of like wrinkly old white dudes by bitcoin um, <laughs> yeah by facebook coin <laughs> it's the one that's gonna win shit and um yeah so we talk about a lot of different types of aspects of conspiratorial stuff but it's mostly um re-examining history or the stuff that we uh, we're told uh, i i exclusively use internet sources and we run our bullshit meter over it and try and find the truth in big deep dive long podcasts some of them are five six seven hours long uh, there's also a whole true crime section where so many of the stories that i found were um i guess they, they ended up being like murderers or, or serial killers very interesting to look at and they'd be much shorter like two hours long uh kind of like a look into the a very specific look into the personalities and the history behind those guys and um yeah, there's loads of extra stuff on YouTube and BitChute and we have a Discord server with all of our people on it where you can come in and talk about history and conspiracy theories with the fans. 
Um, basically, everything is on thoseconspiracyguys.com. And uh, we're on all the social media. And you can find us on all the, just the podcast apps. Just right stuff. now. Go on, right? That was good. Yeah, yeah, it's all right, man. It's, it, like they're long, and if you're, you know, you're working a job, I get a lot of people from the states and from the UK going like, "You make my days driving a truck or working in an office uh, that much more bearable." It's a it's conversation. What, between, what life's about, eh? Yeah, man. It's, yeah. it's a conversation it's between three people. So it's me and and two other people, usually uh, comedians or um, uh, you know, performers from Ireland, and then there's interviews and stuff with other people from other countries as well. So it's getting big. We're doing a documentary road trip now at the moment. That's why we're in Amsterdam and uh, it's all around Europe. So get ready for all that stuff. But thoseconspiracyguys.com has everything. And our shows are much shorter than that. We try yes. to keep them to 30 to 45 minutes if possible. Sometimes we get excited and go for almost an hour. For the gal on the go. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> the people who are commuting to work, we try to keep it yeah. uh, short and sweet if possible. And we really don't want to get super bogged down because we're trying to tell such a long amount of history in uh, a few episodes. Yeah, I don't feel that way, but I don't feel... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think I would like to rant a bit more, but Julian keeps it very... Yeah, we're trying to keep it tight as possible. And and our shows are are, 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 are less ranty because we try we, to... Uh, we script we, them and we, we yeah, spend we, time, we write them, we make sure... We, we try we, to make them as tight as possible exactly. for each one. So. Our ones stop when we start falling asleep. That's the... We talk right <laughs> yeah, into... It's nice. Right into the night time. It's like, lads, I can't go on. That's the end. Okay, we're finished. It's like <laughs> an endurance. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for listening to this Swapcast. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Gordo, for those of you that don't know. And we're here with... Julian. And... Joe. And uh, yeah, like I said, we'll put all the links in the thing below. Um, share around the Swapcast if you like the sound of what's happening. And uh, I guess we'll see you. Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, as you say in Dutch, doei. And go to thosedambogues.com and book a tour. <laughs> <laughs>